Open up your Bible to the Gospel of Mark. We'll be starting today. Like all good studies of the Gospel of Mark, we want to open our Bibles to Mark chapter 10. It's all, all studies of the Gospel of Mark should, should be this way. I'm going to read a verse, and uh, we'll pray. Uh, our, our study here will only be the first eight verses. If you look in Mark chapter 1, it's a long chapter. I'm thinking like three studies, and it's 45 verses, but I'm only going to do eight this morning. We'll look at the, uh, the ministry of John the Baptist as it's given to us in the Gospel of Mark. But anyway, if you opened up to Mark chapter 10, verse 45, and I think this is the, if we could get one verse that tells us what the Gospel of Mark is about, it would be this verse. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, and even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's pray and let's ask God's blessing for today's study and just for our whole look into the life of Jesus as it's given to us in the book of Mark. Father, you've heard what we're asking is, Lord, as we look in the life of Jesus, you know, one of our heart's desires is to become more like him. And we want to be a servant, Lord. We want to see the one in need and, and, and run to that one. Uh, Lord, nobody ever went to your son looking for answers and came away unaided, unabetted. And we want to be your arms, your legs. We want to be Johnny on the spot. We want to love those. Uh, at the end of the day, Lord, your word says it's all about relationships. And we want to have a rock-solid relationship with you. And Lord, we want to love one another fiercely. Um, our, I'll confess it. I'll confess it. My love for people is very often way too conditional. And I don't think it's the type of love, the type of attitude that honors you. So Lord, you know, build in us that those lives that honor you, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 1. I will read the first eight verses, and then we will look at them. And we will be out by 11.05-ish. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll jump right in. So we'll, you know, if we, we start, we'll end. Okay, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before me. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the, of the Lord, make his paths straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of remission, uh, repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of a skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey, and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Okay, we have the Gospel of Mark. We, before that, we have the Gospel of Matthew. Some people think Mark was written first. I think they're given to us in the order that uh, 
Why, why the Gospels in, in quadraphonic? Why not one guy write down, this is what Jesus did, etc.? Because they take on four major aspects of the life, the person of Jesus Christ. Two, they're written to different people. Matthew's written to the Jew. Uh, they're all written to us. We're not crossing some sort of line, some sort of barrier. But primarily, Matthew was written to the Jew, and it, was, it presents Jesus as the line of the tribe of Judah. And that's seen in the very first verse of the, of, the, of the Gospel of Matthew, the book of the generations of Jesus Christ, the, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Well, the son of David would be a king. The son of Abraham would be a Jew. What Matthew's saying is he's the king of the Jews, and it presents him as the line of the tribe of Judah, as um, the Messiah, Mashiach, and so that you remember when we read in the book of the Revelation, we saw the four cherubim, you know, one had the face of a lion. And Matthew, I think, talks about that and develops that. And, and again, speaking to the Jews and, and more stuff is written about and he uh, he fulfilled this prophecy, he fulfilled this prophecy, and it makes an appeal to the Old Testament, which the Jew would be very interested in all the time. And I think it's written primarily to the Jew. Now, Mark is written primarily to the Roman, and it presents Jesus Christ as the ox. The second face of the second cherub was ox, and that's why I think they're in this order. And Mark doesn't have a genealogy, because basically, who's concerned with the genealogy of a servant? Nobody. I think it's a problem, but I think it also just is saying that he's a servant. He's, he's, he's here to help. He's, he's an ox in the sense of like a servant animal. Uh, strong, uh, prodigious amount of work, um, you know, steady, uh, reliable. And I think that's what we're seeing. And I want to become an ox. I think I'd have made a good ox, you know, head down, just keep your feet moving. Uh, I want to be an ox for Jesus, you know what I mean? Uh, I want to be reliable. I want to be a servant. I want to be, and I think that's what, and I, as I was starting to study this, I kind of committed myself to that again. Lord, I want to be your servant. I want to be defined by my service to you. About anything else, maybe more uh, my love relationship with Jesus Christ. I want people to know, yeah, when, when I'm dead and gone, they'll say, yeah, he loved Jesus. And he was a lover of people. I want them to, but, but when you, when you're, the thing that always like makes my heart race and the thing that always kind of gets me all excited is like when we stand before God, I always want him to say, I can't even say it without getting choked up. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You've heard me say that. That's what I want. That's my, you know, I think life is like, this is what I want to say about me when I'm gone. Now reverse engineer it and take the steps that you have to take so that you'll because they'll get it right by and large. When they say about you is they generally get it right. And if they say, oh man, I tell you what, he was always available. He was always there. I, 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 every time I reached out to him, he always had the answer. He always, he, he, you know, came around me. He loved, he, he helped. He was, he was good to be, you know, under his ministry. It was, he was a good friend. He was a good husband. He was a good dad. He was a good Papa, whatever the relationship, I want to be helpful. I want to be faithful. I want to be found doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I think that's kind of like, is that, am I the only one? I mean, do I all kind of feel that way? And I think this is 
the book is going to help us get there. Now, I started something, so let me finish it off. Luke, he's the man, because you remember the third cherub had the face of a man. Jesus, in the book of Luke, is the son of man. And if you remember his genealogy, as it's given to us in Luke chapter 3, I believe, it starts off with, um, yeah, it starts off with... Uh, Jesus himself, uh, verse 23, began to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli, which was the son of... And it goes backwards, and it goes all the way back to Adam, who was the son of God. And it, he, he's the son of Adam, and he's presented that way in his humanity. I'm going to argue about the divinity of Jesus Christ, but never lose fact, sight of the fact that he was human, as human as you and I. That's why he paid the penalty on the cross for humanity, because he was a human being. Um, and of course, John, a lot of people don't think John has a, uh, a genealogy. It actually does. But you remember the fourth... Um, Cherubim had the face of a eagle, divinity. And in John, he had, this is the genealogy of the divine one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. What else would you write for the genealogy of God? And so it's, it, there is a genealogy there, just different because only God has that genealogy, so it would be special. So I think that's why we have it in quadraphonic. And I think Luke was primarily written to uh, the, the, the Greek, uh, Romans to the Jew, um, uh, Mark to the Romans, Matthew to the Jew. And I think that John was written to the church. A story for another time. But Mark, and I think it, it's, it's, it's a little different in its construction. Straightway is uh, like, like verse uh, 12, and immediately, verse 18 of chapter 1, and straightway, and verse 20, and straightway. And it means like, and it's, like an, it's like a shooting script, and it's very vivid. And many people think, let's go into Mark a little bit here. I've got to set the stage just a little bit. I won't do this. You know, I don't, I don't like to take like a whole Sunday and talk about like background kind of stuff. But to help us understand this, and I think this is helpful, Mark is not a disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, he's not one of the 12, I should say, one of the 12 apostles. He's kind of second generation. I think we see him turn up in some curious ways in the Scripture itself, in the Gospel itself, and as we touch upon them, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give you the reveal at that time because I think it's kind of fun, and I don't want to, like, you know, spill all the beans right away. Um, but I think he shows up. He does in the book of Acts. He goes with Paul and Barnabas on the, the journey to um, establish churches. And then when they're going up into Galatia, John does a disappearing. John Mark, as he's called, by the way. John Mark, right? Mark does a kind of a disappearing act. He kind of leaves, you know, when the going gets tough. And away he goes. He's just, uh, this isn't what I signed on for. And he kind of punks out. So that the next time when Paul and Barnabas are going on a, another missionary journey to check on the churches, 
John Mark wants to go with, and Paul says, uh-uh, this is the big leagues. We ain't got time for you. you know, if you want to be all JV, I, you know, we ain't got time for that. And Barnabas, the son of consolation, who's related to um, John Mark, by the way, he says, no, we got to take him with it. we got to give him another chance. And, and there's a dispute among Paul and Barnabas, so much so that they go their own way. Paul takes Silas, and Barnabas takes John Mark, and People think like, well, they couldn't mend fences and stuff? I mean, what's their problem? Well, I think God's will was done. Now we have two missionary teams instead of one. I think that's better by by double, right? But the other thing, too, is like they did mend fences. The end of his life when he's writing to Timothy, he says, send John Mark to me. He's, he's, it says he's, he's capable for the ministry. So they have like this, he's, those, those fences were mended, okay, whatever happened before but John we see him John Mark I guess I'm just gonna call him Mark okay Mark ends up with the Apostle Peter and Peter writes about that in chapter 5 of his first epistle he said only Mark is with me and he's and he's and he calls him his son is it mean because he led him to the Lord possibly maybe even probably but because of his relationship with Mark at the end of his life especially People think that the gospel of Mark is the recollection of Peter. I'd be one of those people. Most, most, you know, evangelical, fundamental, if that's a better adjective, preachers would say that. Of, I, I say that I'm one, and of course, all Calvary Chapel fits that description, right? But this is, think about this as, this was Peter, and this is Peter talking to Mark about what happened and what happened and what happened. And Mark is amanuensis, his scribe, writing it all down and publishing what we've come to know as the Gospel of Mark. Okay, that's the background. Uh, Mark is uh, from a wealthy family. His mother uh, opened her home, maybe she's a widow woman, doesn't mention anything about his dad, to the early church in Jerusalem that met at her house. And apparently it was probably a big enough place to have a church at. Uh, All the churches were uh, in homes to begin with. And of course, I don't know that we ever should have left (laughs) homes, but... um, You know, one of the things I kind of wanted, thinking in the back of my mind, you know, they could close down a church. They could arrest me. Neither one of those things that nerve me up at all. Uh, but they, can't, they have a hard time closing down your house. They have a hard time telling you who, and, who can and can't come to your house. So I think, you know, we kind of, as best we can, you know, get uh, out from under the tyranny of a state-imposed you know, this is what is going to happen kind of situation. Um, people say, Adam, I think your, your tinfoil hat is screwed on too tight. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Now, I've seen in my life some, uh, I can recount them to you, but you should, if you've been paying attention, you should know them your own self. Whoever thought would see a time when they say, no, you can't open the church. Um, did the, somebody take the second, uh, second amendment? Somebody take the first amendment away, and I didn't notice it. If freedom, you know, to worship, um, you are not the boss of us. God is, and we'll do what He says. And your authority, uh, 
respectfully, uh, Madam Governor or Mr. Governor or wherever state you're from, your authority ends at the church door. You don't tell. I, I won't have it. And if you feel different, you're going to probably find a different church. I'm not about to change my mind on that. I want to be respectful. And I want to give the governor every benefit of every doubt. I think, in my mind, I think she's trying to be helpful. Like, you know, trying to combat a... Uh, we, we've never been down that road of a pandemic before. And I, I'll, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. But don't tell me how to be helpful. I mean, don't tell me how to... You know, and it's kind of funny, you know, back when everything was closing down, we, all the marijuana stores were open, all the package stores were open. You could still buy cigarettes, but church was a... I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. Come on. You're really concerned about our health and you're selling cigarettes? Really? Okay. Anyway, I'm going to get, I'm going down that trouble at the end of that road. I'm, I'm, I'm back. We're in Mark. Mark chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Some people said that the gospel of Mark, least of all the gospels, portray Jesus Christ as the Son of God, portray him as divine. That's <laughs> silly. <laughs> That's Piffle, that's ridiculous. Uh, or however word you want to use to... The, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Any questions? Uh, he's the Son of God. You say, well, that doesn't make him divine. And, well, actually it does. He's the Son of God like being the son of a giraffe it makes you a giraffe. Okay? It, it's unique. His, um, he's the only begotten of the Father. He's not... Like you and me, we're, we're sons of God by adoption. He's not adopted by God. He is God, the Son. Um, as is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Talking about John the Baptist. Mark starts, starts up with this John the Baptist. John the baptizer. He's not a Baptist like, you know, Episcopalian or Methodist, right? It means he's a... He's, he baptizes so much so that he's known by that. Let me give you a little bit of background. By the way, I'm looking at the time. It's way too fast. Luke chapter 1, and you can go there or not. Uh, verse 5, there was in the days of Herod the king uh, uh, of Judah a certain priest named Zechariah. Now, Zechariah is John the Baptist's father. He had no child, verse 7. They were... Uh, Elizabeth was barren. They were both now well stricken in years. That meant, means bowed over with age, well stricken in years. Okay, so I don't know. At 40, uh, you bowed over with age. Because I'm 61, and I don't feel like I'm bowed over with age. You know what I mean? Uh, we're talking about somebody who's exceedingly old, all right? It came to pass while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course. It was his custom to burn... Uh, incense, verse 9, the whole multitude were outside praying. He goes into the, the temple there, and by the altar, there's, on the right side, <laughs> there's an angel. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. Seems about logical. The angel said to him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayers heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. Thou shalt call his name John. <clears throat> Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice. Rejoice at his birth, he shall be called great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. <clears throat> Nazarite language. 
He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. This is kind of one of the reasons that make him great, by the way. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. He shall go before him as the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient of the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. <clears throat> Zechariah doesn't believe him. How shall I know this? I'm an old man. My wife is well stricken in years. The angel said to him, like, I'm Gabriel. What's your problem? You know, um, put in the back burner of your mind, <clears throat> he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now let's go to Malachi. From Mark, turn left, Matthew, keep going. And if you go to the beginning of Matthew and a couple pages more, you'll come to Malachi. And let's look at Malachi, a couple places, chapter 4. The Old Testament ends with this. Verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest they come and smite the earth with a curse. Remember, that's what Zechariah received from the Abel, Abriel, Abriel, the angel Gabriel. Uh, chapter 3 of Malachi, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Did he? Yeah, and he cleansed it. And those people who he suddenly, they weren't very blessed by it, but yeah, he suddenly came to the temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Um, so it's talking about the messenger he's going to send before the Lord. By the way, in um, Mark chapter 1, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Capital L-O-R-D, Adonai, means master. It doesn't necessarily mean God. Now let's go to uh, Isaiah chapter 40. And this is kind of where I wanted to show you the most. Isaiah chapter 40. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Now it's capital L-O-R-D. That's the yod Hey vav Hey, the Tetragrammaton. It's always the name of divinity, of God. Uh, Yahovah, Yahweh, depending on what you do with the vowels. Um, when Jewish people come to that, they say Hashem, the name. They don't say it. Or they will say Adonai, which means master. But they mean the master, the Lord. Now, the one who is the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, John the Baptist, is preparing the way of yod heh vav -Heh, is Jesus Christ God. Well, of course he is. We know that. There's more scripture on that than anything. Uh, there are those who say Jesus Christ isn't God. Well, they should read their Bible, is all I can say. But anyway... I want you to see past where we normally cut this off. The voice of the cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight a desert of highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. We know that. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. The glory of yod heh vav -Heh shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together, 
For the mouth of the Lord has, spoke, has spoken. It's going to happen. God says it's going to happen. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the good, uh, goodliness thereof is the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Put a capital W on word, the word of our God shall stand forever, Jesus Christ. Or is it talking about the Bible, the word standing forever? Both of those are true. Make it either one, but I say both. O Zion, now it's talking about the kingdom, Zion, we know that from our Wednesday night studies. O Zion, that bring us good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, that bring us good tidings. Lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, behold your God. This is still the voice of him that's crying in the wilderness. This is still the ministry of John the Baptist. Verse 10, behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. That happened when Jesus was here? Not yet. Not so as you'd notice, will it? Oh, yeah. We studied that at length. Look at verse 11. And if this doesn't get you, I don't know what will. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs in his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. And on and on and on it goes about the ministry and the work of Jesus Christ. Anyway, back to Mark. So he's that guy who's written about in the prophets, who's written about in Malachi, who's written about in Isaiah. How would you like to read the Bible and say, oh, that's me? <laughs> Look at a verse and say, wow, that's me. Uh, this guy really is. He's the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. How do you prepare the way of the Lord? It's one word, repent. How do you prepare to receive Jesus? Repent. And you know, as I was studying this, God was speaking to my heart. And I can tell you something. I'm not repenting from public drunkenness. Or i got to stop beating my wife. That's a horrible thing. I'm, i got to stop that, man. I, I really shouldn't beat her anymore. Or, 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 or a lot of things that would make me not be able to preach the gospel anymore. But you know what I was doing the other day? I was coming home from work uh, Friday afternoon. I was listening to the radio because I listened to all my podcasts. I didn't have any in, in the, you know, ready to listen to. So I turned the radio on. I was listening to, I remember Silly Love Songs, Paul McCartney. And I didn't feel really like I had to repent from that. Do you? I don't know. You, you, you know, we think, you know, it's a silly love songs, you know, and uh, I was just like, yeah, it's kind of singing along and stuff like that. And the next song, and I was kind of singing along with that. And then I was realizing what I was singing, and I thought, like, and I knew the song, and I think, like, ah, oh, i got to turn this off. This is, you know, and I felt like, you know, God was saying, you know, repent. I want a pure, like, I'm with Tom. I'm a sinner. And I find myself in this world in sin or not living purely as much as I should, as much as I could. I'm not experiencing the Lord like I, I, I should sometimes. So, <clears throat> This song was, I can just tell you what it is. Uh, do a little dance, make a little love, get down tonight. I'm singing along with it. I'm, th I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. I'm a gospel preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've been singing this stuff here. I shouldn't. And I felt like, so I turned it off and I, I, I got like Pandora. So I put that on. I put it on praise and worship. And I was worshiping God all the way home. And I find myself like that I have to repent. I'm walking this world. I'm getting my feet dirty. And I, I listen to people, and I, I'm just like everybody else. I have the same 
foibles. I have the same, you know, temptations that everyone else has. And I think, like, God's calling me, like, be done with that. Choose to sin. Choose to suffer. I won't love you more. I couldn't love you more than I love you right now. But I want to fellowship with you. I want to hang out. I want to be like, and I can't be, you can't be acting like that. You can't be, and I think God's calling us, calling me to a place of repentance like, Adam, purity, holiness, more. Uh, it will bring you joy. It's what life is about. My ways are better ways. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I think like, just done with sin, just done with it. It's not a benefit. It never produces what I think it's going to produce. And if I'm going to tell you to repent and stuff, I think I got to kind of lead the way by example. And so if I'm preparing my heart to receive the Lord, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Okay? Repentance is so key to this whole thing. Why, Adam, I repented. I did too, February 14th, 1980. And a million and five times since. Okay? There's a, there's a repentance, a once for all, turning from sin and embracing the Savior and getting saved. Wonderful. Do that. If you haven't done that, do that. And then there's a constant, you know, just turning from sin, turning from sin, turning from sin. It's, it's, it's in the air we breathe. It's all around us. It's invasive. It's in, it's in politics. It's in, it's in education. It's in entertainment for sure. And it's, and it, and it will engulf us and it will cool us from the things of the Lord. Have you ever been in your life on fire, burning up for just, just so in love with the Lord? You could just, it's just going to drive you crazy. Is that your life today? And if not, why not? Because we've entertained sin. We've entertained the things. And I'll say this. Maybe this is true of you. Maybe it's not. But it's true of me. I've entertained the things in my life that just cool off my, my red-hot passion for Jesus Christ. And I want to prepare my heart to receive Jesus afresh. Not get resaved again. Just get to that level of that intimate fellowship. And I don't think anyone's going to do it outside of repentance. And that's the message of John. Now think about this. They went out to him, all the land of Judea, and they have Jerusalem. That's a 20-mile walk. That's 20 miles out into the wilderness. Well, that's okay, because we'll hit Arby's on the way, and then right down, you get down to the Jordan, right there, there's a, there's a Dunkin' Donuts, and we can load up on some you know, iced coffee, because we know it's going to be hot, and, right? Or we'll get a taxi, or... Most of them would go by foot. Think about it. People say that he ministered to, in his brief ministry of about a year, he ministered to over a million people and baptized half a million. I think, like, God, how's that even possible? We didn't even have baptism this year, last year, because of COVID, because of some events and things of this nature. I want to, you know, I'd be happy to baptize. A thousand people in my lifetime. Never mind half a million. Lord, why is my life don't doesn't look like this? And so I was watching one YouTube video and talked about like, um, you know, God's judgment on sin, this and that. And the guy was really critical about and no miracles. That's because God's not in your life and stuff. Like, and I was thinking like, you know, and no, 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 no miracles. This is the greatest man ever born of woman, says Jesus Christ. 
accepting himself, obviously. And he says there was no one greater than John. And the Bible specifically tells us John did no miracle. Miracles are not God loves you and your life is miraculous. It's not like that. Effective ministry? Think about it. Does he have Facebook? Does he have a Twitter account? He's, he's what? Um, how does he start out? You know, he goes out there and he's out in the wilderness and he sees a couple guys fishing in Jordan. Hey, you guys hear about the Lord? You got to repent. And then, I don't know, they're convinced, they're convicted, they run and they tell everybody. God gathered everyone together. However it worked, without any means of, he probably didn't have a bullhorn, never mind a PA system, never mind Facebook, never mind Twitter, never mind YouTube, never mind any of that stuff. He had filled with the Holy Spirit of God from his birth. Now, to be sure, we have the Holy Spirit in us when we get saved. Is that the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Well, there's always a debate on that, but my thinking, no. Um, in Ephesians 5, it says, be filled with the Spirit. Keep continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Why do we have to keep continually be being filled? Because yesterday's filling was good for yesterday. Here it is September. Did you get a September filling yet? Did you, get a, did you get a fresh filling for the week to come? How about tomorrow? Man, we got some people coming over our house today for lunch. Some of them aren't saved. Man, you know what we're going to do? We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We were praying on our way to a wedding yesterday <laughs> that would be Spirit-filled. We just, because that's how we operate. Uh, Suze is awesome, but me on my own, outside the Spirit of God, I, I don't think I'm that likable even, you know. I don't, and I just constantly need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Will He fill us? Well, yeah, why wouldn't He? Or are we going to do ministry in the power of the flesh? And does he call us to do that? What will that yield? Fleshly results, of course. No, as we get that place to receive Jesus afresh, I think we need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit of God. And I think we need, definitely we need John's, uh, Mark's, yeah, yeah, John the Baptist's uh, message of repentance. He went out unto him all the land of Judea, they, uh, they of Jerusalem, and they were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. John was clothed with camel's hair with a girdle of skins about his loins. He did eat locusts and wild honey. He had the garb of a prophet. He had the methodology of a prophet. He even ate prophet food. Um, people try to make these carob pods. I think they're locusts. And, you know, in Leviticus says you can, there's three bugs you can eat, basically. Locusts, ball locusts. Ball locusts, you've got to look real close, right? Not bad enough being locust, but I got to be ball locust on top. That's terrible. Grasshopper, cricket. That's about it. You know, we watched that uh, series alone. I'm not saying you should. <laughs> if you do, great. Uh, they're eating limpids and all this kind of periwinkles, I mean, like snails and all this nasty stuff. None of that's kosher, you know. I don't want to eat any of it. Um, but anyway, uh, you say with New Testament, we can eat anything we want. Ask the blessing. God bless it and pass the bacon. That's fine. But he's not New Testament believer. He's Old Testament. He's under the covenant. He's under that Levitical dietary laws. But he can eat locusts because, and by the way, isn't God gracious? One, they're very nutritious. They're everywhere. 
How much does locust cost? Pick it up off the ground. Even in the wilderness, honey is there and locusts are there. And he's, he, I'm not saying it's all he ate, but he ate locusts and he ate wild honey. And he preached saying, there cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. What's he saying there? Who would unloose somebody else's shoes? I never do that. Well, I was thinking about this. I did. They were called grandkids because they couldn't do it themselves. And I didn't mind that, you know. I'd put their little shoes on and tie them up or, you know, the little slippers on or their boots or whatever. I had this thing with my granddaughter. You know, I'd take her boot off and I'd go, oh, oh, and I'd, you know, throw myself down the bed, kick around like a flounder out of water and stuff like that. She laughed. She thought it was the funniest thing. Now it's like, at 14, she don't think it's funny anymore. Well, actually, I never do it anymore. But here's the thing. You don't do that. You never take off anyone's shoes. You never put anyone's shoes on. A servant at this time would. The lowest servant in the house. The doulos, who was low man on the totem pole. People came in from the outside, right? And their feet were dirty. These were roads that weren't paved. They had animal... Well, when animals have been through, the things they leave behind, you use your imagination, there was sweat there was dust, and their feet were not pristine. So when they come in your house, doors were left, uh, sandals were left at the door, and then the foot-washing servant would wash the feet of that person. And John's saying, I'm not even, this guy who's coming after me, I, I'm not even that high on the totem pole, I'm not, I'm not that high up to even wash his feet. He's talking about himself, and Jesus and the disparity between them. I think we have to have that attitude when it comes to Jesus Christ. And I think we have to have that willingness to wash feet. I figure that's kind of what I do here. Not physically, obviously. I never have yet which isn't the important thing. Most people wear shoes. Most people wear socks. Most people wouldn't want me washing their feet anyway. But in a spiritual way, we do that. You know, where you've been walking in the earth and you get dirtied up and we're washing with the water of the Word. John chapter 13, anyone? Jesus, now you're made clean by the Word that I've spoken unto you. He illustrated it by washing their feet, literally washing their feet. Peter, you'll never wash my feet. You have no part in me then. Oh, my goodness, I need a shower then, uh, Peter says. Uh, we can develop that some other time. But here he's saying, and this is a, to me this speaks of like, I'm not even worthy to wash his feet, is a, a place of, Real, real, real humidity. H humidity. Humility. <laughs> we'll edit that out. <laughs> no, we won't. It's a place of real, real humility. To serve Jesus Christ, do we need humility? He resists the arrogant. He gives grace to the humble. Now think about that. Okay, I'm t my time's over, but I just want to, verse 8, I indeed have baptized you with water. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. This one who I can't even un untie his shoe. I'm baptizing you with water. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Is that key? Only for everything. Only for ministry. Only for holiness. Only for, 
You want to get humble? Get baptized with the Holy Spirit. You want to get humble? Draw close to Jesus Christ. When you see how awesome He is, you see how unawesome we are. Um, I think the word here is given. This is the beginning. This is the opening salvo. This is like we're going to see Jesus Christ again in our life. We're going to learn how to be servants. We're going to even he said, I've come to serve, not to, not to be served and to give my life a ransom for me. He wants us to give our lives away to others. And I think the first thing is repentance, be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's all I got today. Let's uh, stand and we'll go out of here with, um, we'll ask God's blessing on time in the Word and, uh, and then we'll have, uh, we got to hear a song. Father, I, I know I've gone over. I, I know that's a, a bad habit these days. But I think our time has been well spent, and we want to see Jesus afresh, Lord. We want to see Him, the Lord, our Savior, and all His, in His fullness, in His, in His, uh, just His deity, His divinity. And we want to bring His that to our lives, Lord, and touch us in a way that will change us for good and for God forever. And Lord, we want to be humble. We want to be your servants. So pray you'd even now be working in our hearts to that end. Now, may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.